0: Oh my, what a day that must have been. That was in England. And we have copies of God's Word. And as I study God's Word, to see how God phrases things really catches my eye as I think about that and think about what God is doing and how he expresses it in the glory of the gospel. And so I've entitled the message today as we look at the virgin birth, describing the indescribable. And what I want to do is just kind of kind of swoop in and look at four different passages ever so briefly uh, to begin to describe this in, indescribable thing, how do you begin to describe the indescribable? You should have that on your sheet. You you try, but you know in your heart you fall far short. And I've often mentioned this. I've approached the subject in the past, the Mars Candy Company. I'm sorry to mention that, in the shadow of Hershey. But there is another candy company out there known as Mars. And, and a number of years ago, when I was a kid, they, they came out with the, uh, the, the candy bar called the Almond Joy. And some of you remember that. Some of you probably liked it. Anybody like it? Is that your favorite? And you go, whoa, whoa, look at this. Wow, there are some. I'm not telling Mr. Hershey on, that, on you for that. But uh, Almond Joy, they described it what? Indescribably delicious. That's not bad, meaning that it was so good, it was beyond words, beyond words. I can't express inexhaustibly the wonder of this <laughs> candy bar, you know, with the Coke in it, no peanut butter in it, indescribably delicious. Wow. Well, there are many things like that fall into that category in life, are there not? Things that are beyond words. We try as we might, but we feel like, whoa, I fell far short. Far short. Let me give you a sampling. I'd like to, to uh, just let my mind imagine. How do you adequately describe a beautiful sunset? You can't. I mean, you can't. I mean, I've stood on Captiva down where Faithy's mom and dad lived in Fort Myers and Sanibel, Captiva, and you watch the sun. People gather there to watch it. Go down uh, over the gulf, and there it is, going down, going, and it's beautiful. The, fi- the sky looks like it's on fire. It's beautiful as it goes. Now you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write an essay and describe the whole thing. You can, you take a shot at it, but at the end of the day, you go like, that didn't do justice to it. You can't, it's indescribable in its uh, inexhaustibility. How about falling in love? You know, like falling in love. Some of you fell in love. Some of you are in love, right? How many, don't, no, don't raise your hand. You're in love. And I used to, used to tease my college students, you know, like, well, prof, I love her. How do you know you love her? Well, I get this warm feeling next to my heart. I itch it, but I can't, I can't, it's still there all the time. It sounds like you ate a bad pizza, I used to tell him <laughs> last night. You know, like, how do you, how do you describe falling in love? All those endorphins in the brain and just, oh, they're kind of float. Yeah, it takes rational guys, really logical, even athletes, jocks, right? And they're, like, acting so goofy and silly and they're clumsy and they're falling over. And the ladies love it. They love to see that. They're like, I think he likes me, you know? <laughs> you can't describe it. Uh, We were just three uh, a week down with my granddaughters, uh, three out of four, one one was in Indiana, and and I I must have kissed them a thousand times. How do you describe a kiss of a grandchild? I mean, other than wet, sloppy, I don't know what all that fluid is there, those body fluids, but you know, you just just keep kissing, keep hugging, keep tickling, right? Now you describe that. I, I can't do it. I can't. All I know is this great fun, and we filled our emotional tank up over the brim, overflowing. Can't do it. Impossible. There are many things like that, just to name a few. Now, on a far more serious uh, note is language's struggle, and it really seems to be a struggle to describe the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do words begin to tell the story of, of this one, the Lord Jesus, who was born, yet existed, from eternity past now how do you do that in the normal usage of words i say to you we're attempting to describe the indescribable uh, you cannot exhaustively tell the whole story that's it done put the period you can't add another word impossible and and for me looking and studying the text Watching the language stretch in struggle to try to describe this one who has been from eternity past, no beginning, no ending, and at a certain point in his history enters through the supernatural, miraculous conception. We talk about the virgin birth, but the birth of Jesus was natural in every way. I mean, it was no different, the physical birthing uh, there in Bethlehem as any child. Uh, but we, when we say the virgin birth, we mean the miraculous conception. You know, that was probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, of all miracles. Think about it. I don't know how you put them in a category and you measure, well, the feeding of 5,000, wow, from the boys' lunch. That's a wow. Walking on the water, wow, that's a wow. Raising Larry from the dead, Larry, Lazarus, come forth. That's a, that's, a, that got, that's a crowd stopper, right? But, uh, now, you're in this category of the super-duper, unbelievable, way beyond what we can do. And now you've got God who's from, always been, at a point in time, according to his own plan, is conceived in the womb of a virgin, Mary. Wow! So of all the wows and wows, that seems to be up at the very top of all of those wows. And now, how do you express that? Wow! Words are stretched to the limits. Let's just—we're just, just going to glance at four expressions by biblical writers attempting to tell us some raucous story of the virgin birth that, that we can stand once again hearing that old old story. That's the problem. You—you know, got to be careful. Oh, it's Christmas. Oh, we know the story. Oh, and we sort of check out. We do that. Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity also breeds ignorance. I know. So, Lord, may with great freshness you, you show us your word. Let's pray. Father, open the word of God now and teach us uh, afresh the wonder of your scriptures, the glory of the virgin birth. And may we be absolutely wowed at the glory of of the gospel of Jesus. It is the great love story of all times. Oh God, I pray that we might blow the dust off our Bible and off this old, old story and see with a sense of freshness the love of God for us that would go to such depths. And We'll thank you for it in Christ's name, amen. Take your Bible and look at Galatians, the first place we're going to visit. Uh, is Galatians chapter 4. Many of you know this text quite well. In this first expression, this is by Paul. You know, it's not difficult to describe the entrance of ordinary children into the world, but begin to to describe Jesus' coming, that's altogether different. And it's in a league all its own. And Paul writes uh, to the Galatians in 4 verses 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time had come, God, that's God the Father, sent forth his Son, born of woman. There's the phrase. Born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. The first expression we're going to notice here, uh, in in seeing the elasticity and stretching and difficulty of language in its fight trying to describe infinite is the born of woman, Galatians 4. His humanity came from Mary. Now, Paul tells us that God sent his Son in the fullness of time. Don't miss that. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son made of woman. This is the exact time in God's redemptive plan. You see, God created time. We're not the makers of time. God is the creator of time, and we mark and measure the passage of time. And aren't you glad of that, that God made time and made seasons? We see that in Genesis chapter 1. We, you know, some of you are out buying uh, calendars for the next year, 2012. Got to get a calendar. Got to get it on the wall. Got to start writing the stuff on it, right? Aren't you glad that the cyclical nature of the calendar and the marking and measuring of time, that we have that as a tool? Imagine if... Uh, if it just went on in a linear fashion, just kind of just no cycle to it, just God could have done it that way. I think He made the best of all possible worlds, but it could have just straight, you know, like we're on Earth and Earth and our whole Milky Way is just blasting through, and we're not uh, 365 days going on. And how do you mark and measure time? It's a little bit. It's a great tool that God and we and the men. We had fun talking about the length of a day. You know, aren't you glad days are only 24 hours in length? Like if you have a bad day, soon it's going to be over. You know what I think? That's a that's a, works the other way too, like last week down with the grandband, soon it's gonna be the good times are gonna be over too, right? And uh and so on. And and the same thing with like I know I when we sin and fail, and don't we sin daily? Oh God, help us, cleanse our heart and wash us, Lord, forgive us of our transgressions, the Lord's Prayer. But aren't you glad that uh, when you really get off the path, that the, a new day starts. Thy mercies are new every day. It's a new day. It's the morning. We start to get, Lord, help me, pick me up. It's so all of you. It's not of me. And in the, in the gospel in our lives. And isn't, isn't, God is the maker of time. God, and it reminds us just in a hint here that God has sent his son at the exact time in his redemptive plan. The fullness of time tells us in, in the, the uh, eternity past, the counsels of God, God established a plan and a program, and you are in it, and so am I, and so is Jesus, and so is the cross, and the empty tomb, and heaven, and hell, and all of that. God has laid out the panorama of, of, uh, of history. And it flows along exactly right on time. You know that God's never late? Are you ever late? You're never late, are you? God is never late. And there's no plan B. It's all plan A. It's not like the Lord saying, well, I didn't know the Romans were going to be in Palestine then. Oh my, what am I going to do? We better do a census. We got to get them down there. I thought they were going to live. God never said, I didn't know. He has a plan that includes all things. Look, take comfort in that. He's sovereign. He's great. Get the bigger picture. Get your eyes off the moment and off yourself. Look unto Jesus, and at the exact moment in time, a beloved professor of mine used to say, in the nick of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. Made of a woman. God has his calendar. that you will live the exact minutes and moments that God has designed for you to accomplish his plan and purpose, where he has you, when and how and with whom. I mean, it's all of him from beginning to end. We're not like independent contractors. Have you ever thought about that? Like the free agency in sports? You know, the free agency? Well, I'm going to put it out there and see who picks up my contract. I'm not sure where I'll be next year. I'm sort of, no, no. None of that. The Lord knows those that are his. He has appointed our times, our, when we're born and when we die, and he has even ordained the works that you and I will do through our life as we live to his glory, to the glory of Jesus. That's what God is up to. He's building his church. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, that's, uh, that's the couching of the... But the expression, born of woman, B, the expression means that more than that Mary gave birth to Jesus, born of a woman, the word means that all of Jesus' humanity came from her. All of it. Not an ounce of it, not a lick of it, from any man. All of Jesus' DNA was in from her genes. in the wonderful plan and purposes of God. Now, that sounds very much like Genesis 3.15, doesn't it? The Proto-Evangelium, the first announcement of the gospel there in the garden. The seed of a woman. You'll remember that. We're not going to develop that, but here's a hint. Women do not have seed. The word in English that comes uh, to us from the Greek, sperm, it comes from spermatos. It means uh, seed, like a farmer's seed. And a man has uh, spermatos, a woman does not. And here, uh, referring to something very unusual in the first announcement of this gospel, this virgin birth in Genesis 3.15. It sounds very similar to Paul's writing in our text in Galatians 4. Unusual language at best, unless you were describing a unique birth, and we are. When we see Jesus, he'll have the same body glorified, and it came from Mary. In fact, uh, in, Je- in Revelation twenty-two sixteen, Jesus signs off on the scriptures on the very last page of the Bible where he says, I am the root and the offspring of David. Wow. Born of a woman. All the genetic, all that came, came from Mary. It had to be that way because in the normal process of procreation, a new person by God's plan is created uh and uh, and but we have one who has been eternity past normal procreation uh forget the sin issue and the passing on of the sin nature uh, it had to be miraculous it had to be not a man and woman been, there been that would be a compounding of other miracles to prevent that and it uh, one who has been all of a sudden is joined in the womb of Mary and And theologians call it the hypostatic union, the theanthropic person, the God-man, Jesus. This miraculous holy child, the Lord Jesus. Now, it's interesting. We don't have time to talk about it. But Satan, in anticipating, not knowing exactly, he's not omniscient, what God was going to do, had corrupted similar type things in other pagan religions where you get fallen demagogues, half-animal, half-super-beings, kind of polluting and and sort of uh, distilling the wonder and the awe of this incredible thing called the virgin birth. But this is the real deal. This is the glorious plan of God. Born of woman. Galatians 4. Wow. The second... uh, uh, a passage, uh, we see an expression in John chapter 1. Look at that, if you will. John 1, the John the Beloved, the youngest disciple, the Beloved, the closest one to the Lord Jesus, the one who far outlived, all the other ones, probably died of uh, natural death in his 90s. He was the, uh, he writes uh, in uh, John 1, that beautiful prologue, That uh, the second expression, the Word became flesh. Well, look at verse 1 if you're there. John 1, 1, 1, and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. The life was the light of men. And then look down, just, just scan down to verse 14. That's our text in this number two expression. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John writes, we have seen his glory. He's referring to Jesus here. Glory as the only son from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, the word became flesh. That is, God became something. He never was. That's an amazing thought. God, at this point in John's writing, tells us God, the Creator, the second person of the Godhead, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all co equal, all co eternal, all God, all called God, all doing the works of God, in the beautiful Trinity or the triunity of the Godhead. And now, at one point in time, according to the unfolding of the plan of the ages, the second person, the Lord Christ would be born of the Virgin Mary. And John uses the word, and the word became flesh. Amazingly, God's Son, through the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, became a man. John tells us that the word was with God, that's God the Father there, and the word was God, not a God. Our Jehovah Witness friends will pollute the accurate translation and and say, A, God, there's no indefinite article in the Greek. Uh, There's an article or there isn't. He was God and uh, was with God and shows the quality of him being equal with the Father and not someone who was lesser God. Same thing is true with our Mormon friends. Just as a word was spoken, just as a word spoken expresses a thought, I'll catch this now because Most of you have never studied uh, the Greek philosophy. There's a lot of studies in Aristotle and uh, on the Lagos. That's the word Lagos. Sometimes we're familiar with that. Some of you with with software, the Lagos software, that's the Bible commentary language tools. It's called Lagos for uh, your your intense Bible studies. That's the word, Lagos, and it means word. And a word is, what is a word? A word is an expression. Again, if we go back to that—the wonderful gift that language is. Imagine if you had all sorts of thoughts and you could not express them. Uh, how uh, how frustrating that would be! Uh, my father was uh, trained as an engineer, and so uh, he'd start talking about a project or something he wanted us to do, and or that, and he could hardly talk very long before he said, "Where's a pencil? I need a pencil." I can't tell. Get a pencil and a piece of paper, and he'd either start sketching it out or making a list. And these are the fifteen things you're to do before lunch, Terry. <laughs> Got it down. Cross them out, or he'd start drawing sketches. He would sketch it out. He and he'd, he'd relax then because he could express himself. But without it, he'd be like Bev. Where's, where's the? Where's the? <laughs> where's the pencil? You know that kind of thing. It's frustrating. And as a way to think about it, a a word expresses a thought. Jesus, tangibly in human form, God, man, joined forever, expresses what God is, God the Father. So that on one occasion, you know, one of the disciples said, "Uh, uh, Jesus, show us the Father and it satisfies us. He said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Well, it's not a, he's not confusing the persons of the Trinity there. He's not doing that. He's just saying that he being God, verily God, joined forever in human flesh in this thing called virgin birth, expresses God to us. Look into his faces in a manner of way is saying, Looking into the face of God, to see the way he interacts with people, lost people, religious leaders, others, those that are weak, those that are weeping, those that are sick. That's God. That's God. You say, well, I wonder what God would think about. Watch Jesus. He is the expression of the Father uh, to, to, to the hilt. There's no gap there. The Word became flesh. He expresses it. Emmanuel, we sang that this morning. It means God with us. That means Jesus. And yet God became something there at that conception that he never was before. He became something. Became. This text tells us that Jesus existed prior to his birth in Bethlehem. He was with God. One man writes, and he's right, he says, Mystery is the footprint of the divine." Mystery. Oh, what mystery here. Mystery and wonder. Oh, wow. You know, some people in their rebellion say, oh, I'm not going to believe it until God explains it. You now What arrogancy. What, what a- absolute arrogancy. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I've learned a lot. been exposed a lot in schooling, and so have you. But uh, I, don't, I don't often remember a lot of it. You know, they say if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Isn't that true? Amen? Hey, any of you study a foreign language? Uh, I think I did, yeah. Can you speak it? Uh, I don't think so. Escuching and repeating. That's one of the best lines I learned. Listen and repeat. Escuching and repeating. I don't know what I was supposed to repeat, but I got that down. (laughs) You don't use it, you lose it. You don't use it, you lose it. Mystery. Wow. God could say in another venue, I could tell you, but you wouldn't understand it. You know, we like to say, I could tell you what it is, but I have to kill you. God would say, I could explain it to you. You know, explain it all to me, Lord, how it all works. You think you can handle that? I can't even, I get my arms around calculus. I tried working on that, tried self study on that. I keep going over lesson three again. You know, like, okay, variable, we got graphs, we're doing this and that. Like, it's beyond me. I'm just about ready to write it off. I'm sorry, Mark. I'm about ready to write the thing off say, so who needs it anyway? John encouraged me. I asked John's as an engineer, I said, John, do you use calculus to work? Well, we never touch the stuff. Right? You said it's all mostly. mostly. Yeah, I'm not belittling you, John, but I'm just, You, John learned all that math, and he's excellent at it. You know? I like, go like, wow. I guess maybe I don't need it as a pastor teacher. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's how it is. And God said, I could explain to you the plan, but you know, we, we're like that in our own lives. Stuff happens, and we go like, Lord, what are you doing? And it's like, uh, I could tell you, but you'd never get it. Just trust me. Just trust me. You know, trust and obey. Walk with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I love that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? That's what it is. We walk by faith, not by sight. He, he couldn't love us any more than he has. Chiefly demonstrated there at Calvary. We love him not because we first loved him, but he loved us and gave his son. And then he saved us. So many of you know Christ the Savior. God has saved you in spite of it. We are wicked, evil people that deserve hell. Never ask God, give me what I deserve. Goodbye. There's a trap door. You're gone. Where'd he go? Don't pray that way. God hears that prayer. All of us, even if we've been saved for many years, Nothing we do makes God love us anymore. Be content. We are secure in Christ. Read Romans 8. Nothing. No condemnation, no separation. Now in that freedom of that, in the freedom of the gospel, we serve and we love him. It's not a list. You know, We're good at making lists. None of that. Relax, enjoy, serve, give your heart away. Give yourself away. That's what it is. We're the doulas, the servants of Jesus. Wow, the Word became flesh. Wow. Well, see, John then tells us that Jesus, as the Word became, uh, made flesh, dwelt among us. I dare say you would never say that about any of your children or grandchildren. You know, you wouldn't say that. Birth announcement, here it is. Holy Spirit Hospital, or Joni. Harrisburg Hospital, right? Uh, On this such and such date. Uh, Someone, our child became flesh and he's dwelling among us. (laughs) We'd call the doctors real quick. (laughs) What's wrong with those people? But it fits as it stretches language to the breaking point to describe one who has existed in eternity past, who added to himself human flesh and dwells among us (laughs) At, and it's the word, tabernacle, or it's a temporary dwelling. He, some of the translators put it, he pitched his tent. I mean, it was temporary. He was here for a Brit, and then he's gone, and that was it. Wow, well, the word became flesh. He became something he never was. You know, when we're young, you say, well, what do you want to become when you grow up? You know, a lot of times the school will do that. Parents will ask that, you know. What will I become? Will I Will I? Be a fireman. The little boys want to be firemen. Can I be a dog catcher? Can I be a policeman? Can I be a doctor? Can I be? I want to be a teacher. A lot want to be teachers because they spent years with teachers, and we're thankful for that. And then we become something—a missionary, a pastor, or some other. I'm going to build cars. I'm going to build homes. I'm going to. I'm going to farm or something like that. Jesus became something. God in Christ became something he never was. Look at the third expression by the biblical writer of Paul, again, attempting to describe the miraculous story in Philippians 2. We could spend a week here in Philippians 2, the beloved Philippians. Uh, in chapter 2, he, uh, Paul is, is going to use by way of an example. It's not even the core doctrine that he's teaching. He throws it down as illustrative. He's calling the, the believers there at Philippi to, to be humble and to be servants and to serve each other and to be meek. And, and he throws down the example of Christ. Remember Jesus. That's not bad for us at Grace in our homes and families and marriages. It would be transforming and in our community as people beheld held uh, 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 the love of Christ in us as a church, loving and caring for each other, and, and then loving and caring the love of Jesus through us in community to those that are hurt and down and out and have needs. And uh, the, behold how they love each other. It ought to be. That's the spirit of God. Behold how they love. It's the love of God through us. And in and, and the expression in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, 8, born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. (laughs) You would never use that about your kids. You wouldn't. And nobody ever said that about you. Well, he's like a man, we're not quite sure. (laughs) Born in the but you'd use a word, words like this to describe the indescribable. Tells us that Jesus was a man, but he was far more than a mere man. The the expression that sometimes we use when we're talking about Things like this, we go, there's, there's far more here than meets the eye. Look close, look deep, look with exactness. Wow. Well, again, the Apostle Paul is attempting to describe the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'd never use such words. But you would use these words to tell of the coming one who's been from eternity past. The passage is often called the kenosis. So how many of you have heard that word, kenosis? How many of you have yeah, use that? It's the Greek word, akinesin. It's, a, it's an aorist form of the word. It means to empty. And, and Paul uses that word right in this context in Philippians uh, chapter 2. Look at verse 7 and 8. But, but made himself nothing. There it is right there, akinesin. But made Jesus, talking about Jesus. Well, let's back up to verse 5. Have this mind, think this way, this phōne. think this way among yourself which is yours in Christ Jesus, now here's the example, who, though he was in the morphe, the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, like a kid holding onto his Tonka truck on Christmas morning, my truck, my truck, not willing to share it. That's what he's saying Jesus did not do that. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in heaven, it's the divinity, it's the, it's the trimmings of, of, of heaven. No, he gave it up freely. He didn't grasp on or clutch onto it is what he's saying. But he made himself nothing, a kinesin. What's that mean? Well, he took the form of a servant. Being born, look, here's our words now, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And it's like he's saying death, but imagine this. It's even lower than that. It's the death on the cross. I mean, it's down, down, down. Most people in business want to climb. Where do you want to go? Well, after 30 years, I want to be a vice president. I'm going to climb the ladder of success. (laughs) Here it's going. It's the the fast uh, track downward. And what's the depth? Way down here. In the form of a servant, a serving servant, one who would serve and wash the feet of his disciples. That's this Jesus. That's this amazing one, this Lord of glory, Emmanuel. That's what uh, Paul is throwing down for us in this as he calls you and I to humble service, considering all others better than ourselves, as he says in another place. He uses the supreme example of Jesus who stooped from his throne in heaven and becoming a man who went to the utter depths and dying on that cross for your sin and mine. Oh, what love this is that brought my Savior down. What a God. Some of you have studied uh, comparative religion. It's a part of a curriculum in, uh, in university. If you're gonna get a liberal arts degree of some sort or fashion, they throw that in there. And uh, they'll give a smattering. And, and sometimes they're very dangerous because they present you know, as if they're all equal and if there is a God, it's just different ways of worshiping God. Look with more exactness if you have to take that. God can take that and study that seriously because you can disrobe a lot of that as you present the reality of the glory of the God that is seen in Christ and the foolishness and the counterfeitness of these other isms that are really the worship of demons. Paul says that in Corinthians. The worship of false God is the worship of demons. and the glory of God who would solve this in unsolvable problem. How would He redeem lost men and women like us, wicked, deserving of death, without violating His holiness? Now that's the dilemma of the ages, more than the ruby, uh, more than the Gordian knot or some of these great, almost unsolved, the great thing is, is, how would God save a people without denying his essence? We're so sinful and wicked and unholy, we go, well, can't he just grade on a curve? You know, like, sort of, 80%. Does that pass? No way. And God solved the problem, and he did it all. And that's why we sing, all to him I owe. You didn't do anything. In fact, you and I were the problem. The gospel's good news and bad news. You're the bad news and so am I. He did it all. He solved it. And it was through the sending of his son at this point who became uh, a, a human flesh with a human nature, was born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. Wow. I say to you, that's the great love story. It's not some love story of the 60s. Some of you watched that late at night. Um, was that Redford? Was that Redford? No. Oh, yeah. Ryan. O'Ne- oh, thanks, Sue. <laughs> you watched. <laughs> that was a quiz. I want to see who. <laughs> hands Sue a tissue here. I mean, that brings tears on the love. So she died at the end. <laughs> That's a, that's a love story. Sure it is. Not a human. The great love story of all time is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The love story of the gospel is so great. Uh, I just sometimes, have you really ever thought about it? I can't imagine why people would reject it. I know why. I know why. Because they're sinners and rebels and haters of God. They don't want separation of church and state. They just want God out. Don't be caught up in that. They hate God. It's the great love story of all times. It really is. Paul tells that he was made in human likeness. He was a man, a real man, but much more. What a passage. What a God we serve. Now go and do likewise. What's that mean? Serve one another in in deep humility. Humility. You know, to be humble to say, well, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to just, no, humble means just recognize who you are and live in light of it. You're not much. I know everyone wants to pat everybody on the head and feel good, but Americans anymore, we're psychologically pumped up, but we're sort of adequate or inadequate in the skills. But we feel real good about being inadequate. (laughs) (laughs) The reality is you're grossly inadequate, and so am I, and we ought not feel good about that. We ought not. And we ought to recognize and think about that daily and then serve in light of that. Lord, I'm not much. Use me. If you don't do it, I'm in deep trouble. If you echo that sort of, it's sort of my prayer most Sunday mornings. <laughs> Lord, uh, help here. Uh, open our hearts and, and feed your word and change us. Save anyone here who's lost. <clears throat> if you've never come to Christ, you're lost. What a great time of the year to be saved. Today is the day of self. Open your heart. I pray that God would save you this morning. Young or old, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. You died for me. This is an amazing love story. You did that for me. It's the gift of salvation. I Receive you as my Lord and Savior. But you see, it doesn't end there. It's, the gospel is what ought to transform us every day. Sometimes we go like, okay, yeah, my sins are paid for. Praise God for that. Heaven's my home. I can't lose it. I'm on the way. And then we, we get sloppy. We stop growing. We stop this and that. The, the wonder of the magnitude of what God has done for us ought to strike us with freshness every single day and change the way we live. It ought to change the way you live and me. And it is. It is. as God makes us into the image of His Son. It's amazing. Wow. Born in the light of man, The fourth and last expression by a biblical writer again, this is Paul, 1 Timothy 3:16. He was manifested in the flesh. Look at First Timothy. it's 3:16. so it's easy to remember it, because you remember, you all know John 3:16. And this is first Timothy three sixteen. Manifested in the flesh. What in the world? What an expression. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Now he's going to go on. Notice he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory manifested in the flesh that's in the body to see jesus is to see god now it it is believed that this verse was part of an early church hymn and paul uh, and they knew it and paul and timothy knew that and paul wrote this and included this in the holy scripture uh, as it expressed the the wonderful truth and the glory of christ great is the mystery of godliness. The words express a profound mystery of the ways of God. And that is what? How God produces through Jesus God-likeness in us. God is making us, preparing us for heaven, and he is making us God-like through the whole thing of Jesus' coming. The cradle, the shadow of the cross, the empty tomb, Pentecost, the Spirit of God regenerating lost, dead, blind sinners like you and I. And here we stand 21 centuries later, part of this great, onward Christian soldiers, part of God's saints. And he's changing us. and He's making us like himself. Great is the mystery of it. That's what Paul was saying. Jesus was born and looked as any new baby would look. He did not have a halo. Some of the great Dutch Reform painters would paint trying to show the emanation of light around uh, the, the birth of uh, this one born in Bethlehem would emanate light and all that. But that, that's uh, only uh, artistic liberty. That never happened. Never happened. They saw a real baby with squeaks. Have you ever noticed babies squeak? They squeak. <laughs> You're breathing, and they squeak, and they make all kinds of noises and things, and shake, and you know, they kind of, this kind of, they do all that kind of stuff as their nervous system's growing, and and all that kind of, the Lord had a real body. it had a human nature, divine nature. Beautiful. No emanation of light. I'm sorry if that uh, disturbs you. Yet, uh, he was God in flesh. He was fully human, fully divine. We can begin to describe his, this person. We can. We can begin his birth, his life, his ministry, but we never can do it exhaustively, completely as if the final period, and that says it all, for we're simply, simply scratching the surface. For Jesus our Lord, the one born in Bethlehem is altogether Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Mysteries of mystery. People love mysteries. Great is the mystery of godliness. Listen, you can be saved. You can be saved without knowing the virgin birth. That probably happened in my case as a seven-year-old boy, God opened my heart and saved me. I was at a worship service like this. I sat next to my mother over here, and the pastor had been preaching the gospel of Jesus and uh, as a seven-year-old boy, my mother had ex- explained to me the uh, essence of the gospel. And, uh, but I can't say that as a seven-year-old, I understood as much as man can understand the virgin birth. Never happened. I, born of Mary, I knew that much. I had a piece in the program and said my part as a shepherd or wise man or someone but I didn't, I didn't uh, understand as much as man can know. You see, you can be saved without, without knowing the virgin birth backwards and forward, but here's the thing. There is no salvation without it. There is no salvation without it. This was the entrance of God's Son in his full plan to redeem a people. And it's fraught with mystery, wonder, and awe. And therefore, as Ed let us us come and adore him. At the end of the day, our mouths are shut, and we just go, thank you, Lord. Wow. In attempting to describe that which is really indescribable. Well, what can we say for lessons for our life, and we'll be done. Number one. Lesson number one as wonderful as Christmas is, it is all or not if you do not receive the Christ, the Lord, as your Savior. It's all for not. It's a gift. And I urge you, I, I beg of you, have never received Christ. Today is the day, just Lord Jesus, pray that way. Open my heart, my eyes, my understanding that I can see my need of a Savior, that you are lost, you're a lawbreaker and under judgment. And you have no guarantee of tomorrow. Julie got that phone call and, and Stephanie, Stephanie's family, I'm sure they got a phone call and someone passed in both cases. Dear ones, no guarantee. There's no announcement. It wasn't circled on the calendar, your last day. That's not preacher talk. That's reality. Today's the day. Come to Christ. If I can help, I'd love to pray with you, talk with you. Lord Jesus, receive me as a sinful child. Thank you for dying and paying for my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. And God will wash away all of your sin, And you can be saved and have the assurance of salvation right now, today, as you leave this place. Oh, what a great thing. Number two, the language of God's book stretches to the breaking point in telling the greatest love story ever. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Even that love poem fell far short of, dry, of describing human love, the love of man and a woman. God's book stretches to its utter limits in trying to describe the indescribable, the greatest love story. Wow. Be amazed, marvel, stand in awe. Number three, the virgin birth was not an afterthought. We think in terms of plan B and afterthought and now what am I going to do? And you know, God never said, I don't know. When you're omniscient, you don't have the problem that we have. It was the plan of God from ages past. The unfolding of the redemptive theme from cover to cover of your Bible and mine. Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman all the way to the end of the root and the offspring of David. That's the Lord Jesus. It's Jesus from cover to cover. He just doesn't show up in Matthew <laughs> all the way through. Wow. Wow. Creator number four, the Virgin Birth reveals the uniqueness of human life, as Jesus is forever the God Man. Let me say this: Sometimes you'll you'll hear in the common culture, you'll see on TV that the universe is so mammoth, and uh, we've never found life anywhere else. Isn't that interesting? As far as we can see, I mean. and they'll say, well, we're really fortunate to have conditions and water and an abundance of water and a blanket of an atmosphere and protects life. If not, the meteorites would pulverize. You ever seen the surface of the moon? The earth would look far worse than that. Pulverized and beat up and we couldn't survive. And life has to be somewhere else. Life has to be somewhere else. And man spends your tax money and and in, in, in mostly tax money and some independent to try and find life somewhere else. Because uh, if you embrace a godless evolutionary type of thinking, and certainly the odds are it happens somewhere. Never have we found it. Ever. For the, stupid God particle? the God particle in Switzerland. I read that with a collision. <laughs> the point is... Yeah. <laughs> thank you, John. <laughs> The point is, look at the dignity that God brought to humanity. He passed all of these outer space heavenly bodies and came down to earth. Earth and forever human, divine. Not Andromeda, not some far-flung place, not Pluto, not some other the dignity of man and woman made uniquely in God's image. For men and women have an eternal destiny. You and I passed immortal beings. Do you know that? Pointed unto man wants to die, but the soul lives forever. It will live forever in glory or forever in the lake of fire. And as you and I, you know, go to, go to the store or the gas station, get a cup of coffee or we see people, little do we realize We're passing immortal souls that are going in one direction or the other all because of the God-man who provided the only way of escape. What shall we do if we neglect so great a salvation? The author of Hebrews put, there is no escape. It is only Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And forever the unique. Number five and last, God's timetable is perfect. He has ordained us to live and serve him today. I marvel at that. You know, some of you say, well, I wish I lived 100 years ago. No, you don't. You really don't. Life can be tough now, and it can be, but, you know, I, nothing like snow, uh, you know, a couple feet on the ground, and you've got to run to the outhouse in the middle of the night. I'm telling you, it's the simple things. I'm telling you, faith has, we got these cotton sheets on our bed. I mean, I love them. And you know we mostly took a shower today. I hope right or last night you had warm water, right? Isn't that great? And and the grocery stores and refrigeration and even air conditioning in the summer. I mean, these things are new, and and we didn't have to walk down to Georgia. You know, like I'll see you next year, maybe. <laughs> you know, like boop boop. There we are, Jacksonville. Take the ride north. There you're there. There are some really some great things, right? But God has chosen that. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't pick that. Say I I want to be born here and like sit down. The Lord, I'm going to ask your opinion. (laughs) Wow, God is the author of time, and now here we are at Christmas again to celebrate the coming of Jesus. Wow, Father, thank you so much for the Word of God, and thank you so much for the this thing that's really indescribable to us, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're here. Thank you that you're coming bodily soon. Thank you for your building of the church and that we a Grace are part of that. And I ask, Lord, that we might live for you in a, a new way and uh, that we might, with freshness and vitality, represent Jesus to all that we know, that we might humbly serve all that we meet until you should take us home or come. Thank you for Christmas and the real meaning of it that God so loved the world that he gave. May we give our life and live to give as a result of the gospel in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.